This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, what's up, automotive aftermarket peoples? Welcome back to another episode of Remarkable Results Radio, the Town Hall Academy, where our goal is always to advance the service aftermarket by supporting your business acumen and personal development growth one episode at a time. We have a really cool episode here and a great panel. Tom Ham is with us from Autocentric Grand Rapids, Michigan, an import specialist. And since this episode is all about remote ownership, Tom's not in Grand Rapids right now. And if you could see from his shirt, you could tell he's in Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> Tom is basically just rubbing it in since we got like 77 inches of snow here in Buffalo. He's in Orlando. Good to have you here, Tom. Good to be here. And Andy Bizup's with us, Midwest Performance Cars, Northbrook, Illinois. Hello, Andy. Hey, Carm. Hey, everybody. Where are you today? Are you in Texas or in uh, Illinois? I am in Dallas. Ah, see? And there's a guy who's, uh, what's that, 1,500-some miles away from his shop. Right. <laughs> and Brian Kelly is here, Valley Automotive Electric Covington, Washington. Hello, Brian. Hey, hey. Good day. Good day. Yeah, good to see you, man. And, he, and how many hours away from uh, the shop are you? I can go doorstep to doorstep, just over four hours. Well, great to have you here as we're going to talk about remote ownership. We've got a couple of great sponsors that continue to bring the Town Hall Academy to you. Let's give some high fives and props to Shopware. You know, few customers will ever tell you to give them less information about the cost of a repair. Offer full transparency with notes, videos, and photos so even the customer with the least experience can see why they need your expertise on the web at GetShopware.com. And did you clean the fuel tank the last time you replaced a fuel pump? Contamination buildup in the tank not only impacts the vehicle's performance, but it can also damage the fuel pump. Clean the fuel tank in five minutes with Delphi Technologies Fuel Tank Cleaning Tool. I played with that thing out at the Apex. It's really cool and different. Learn more at DelphiAftermarket.com. Hey, look, guys, uh, thank you for being here. I appreciate this. I, I think you guys are just a perfect uh, panel to discuss remote ownership. In the industry here, here's what's going on. Three or four work day work weeks. A lot of the guys are, you know, staying away from the business one day, even though their commute continues to be in the local market. They're not really up and going or moving or have a second home. And that's a really cool way to slowly break yourself away from the day-to-day -day and always being there and making every decision. So we're here to talk about why remote ownership, how to make it happen. Replacing your hands on the control levers with someone else that you are never out, but you always must keep yourself in and the evolution of the process of being remote and finally personal disciplines. And we're going to cover all of that today. I think this is going to be a completely full episode. I want to ask my first question to Andy, give us the why of being a remote owner. Sure. So for me, it was, it really was a personal family decision. Back in 2018, 2019, my wife asked me if I would be okay with relocating the family down to Texas where she was born. And her mom, my mother-in-law lives with us since uh, she's a widow and we take care of her. And my mother-in-law didn't want to be up in the, the cold climates anymore and nor did my wife. So it was a personal decision for our family. And it was one that I thought that the business was at a point where I could do it. I mean, I was 2018, I was only four years into owning the business. I had the right people in place. And that 
is one of the key things of starting this is you've got to have your people in place to make a move like this. Andy, I bet you you didn't have one doubt that you could pull this off. I really didn't. I was strangely confident of being able to do it. But you know what? A lot of that really stemmed from the confidence in my two teams of people. When I approached them with it and said, you know, I explained my wife would like to move down to Texas and I think I can make this work. I'll come back and forth as needed. Of course, when I started, I was back in Chicago more than half the time. Now I'm down to below half the time. I'm trending down towards uh, maybe a quarter of the year and then eventually a tenth and then eventually uh, my plan of uh, selling out to my two uh, crews up in uh, Illinois. But I had confidence in the people that were working for me and the team that I had put together. That makes it, of course, much easier of a decision. That is so interesting, Andy, Tom, Brian, to, to say, listen, there's going to be a succession plan here. This is why I'm doing it. It may push me uh, to succeed quicker or faster or better if the team shows me they can do it. It's a very interesting strategy. Brian, I want to go to you, your story of exiting the business. Yeah, so much like Andy, my wife uh, came with a, a similar request that uh, wasn't so much about leaving the cold. She just wanted to raise the kids somewhere different. In the early part of it, I, I almost kind of chuckled at it because I wasn't, uh, I wasn't thinking that I, A, wanted to do it and B, was ready to do it. But uh, you know, again, I think the confidence to do it was there. I went to my crew early on and I said, hey, guys, uh, what is your thought? You know, what, uh, as far as the team goes, what if I'm not here? And uh, I'll, I don't think I'll ever forget the response that I received because everybody laughed and said, you're not here anyway. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and when, when they said that, I went, well, tell me what you mean. What, is, what does that mean? And I realized that I was either at a Rotary event, a Chamber of Commerce event, um, NWACA. I, I was constantly involved with something different. And uh, if I wasn't at those, I might be at another shop owner's shop. I mean, I, I, was, I was never there. And, and it wasn't until they pointed it out to me that I, I chuckled and went, yeah, I guess you're right. And I found, I relocated in 2019. And, uh, and I, I found almost instantly, uh, even with the travel, and I was, I was actually going 50-50 at the time. I'd, I'd go to the shop one week, and then I'd, I'd come here, and then I'd go to the shop, and I'd come here. And I found I, I actually was spending more time with my family being gone 50% of the time than I did when I lived five minutes from my business. And uh, ultimately, it really came down to me being able to put that kind of put that kind of time into my family and not just be a work dad, but a, a full-time dad. And I've gotten to the point now where I spend anywhere from two to four days a month in the business and the rest of it's all remote. I've got this interesting thought and I talk to so many people about you know, shutting down to maybe four days a week, maybe three days a week, but still, you know, they're local. When you talk to a shop owner, Brian, and they say, I could never do this. Do you just say, okay, and then walk away? Or do you just ask a couple of interesting questions to see where the excuse is coming from? I just, uh, the first question I always ask is why? And what is it that you're afraid of? And most people, it's a control issue. You know, 99% of the time, in my personal belief, I, I think most people, A, they want to be needed, and then B, they believe that everything revolves around them. And in most cases, if you believe that, it really does. And if you believe it works, if you believe the entire system revolves around you, it's always going to. And, and you're going to be the Superman. You're going to be the savior for everything that goes wrong. And the more you involve yourself that way, the more of it you're going to get. 
And, uh, you know, I repeatedly time and time again, it seems like as I dig down, it's this internal need that, that people, that, that they've created on their own. And that's usually why, it's usually why you're an owner, you want control. But uh, in reality, the control comes when you're, you're not actually having to make the decision. Three great answers. Thank you for that. I think we all probably can relate to that. Tom, golly, you go down to Orlando, what, for about six months of the year, right? Try to leave by the end of September and come back in May. So it's probably closer to seven, seven to eight months, something like that. Very good. Uh, you know, we got all this snow here in Buffalo this past weekend, and Tom sent me his, uh, his pool with, of course, the beautiful uh, screened-in lanai. I think it said, where are you? <laughs> and... So thank you for that. You know, nothing like being in a cold climate, living in a cold climate and going to a warm. So how do you start, Tom? What's the impetus to make this happen to you? First of all, you tell your people and then what happens? Well, and I don't know that I ever told my people because I, I, I started this little bit at a time. Just uh, I'm going to work from the house this afternoon. And uh, uh, so it wasn't, uh, wasn't that big a deal. Just happened a little bit at a time. And frankly, you can get... We all have our projects. Well, remotely, you can have a project done in an hour, whereas at the shop, it takes you a day and a half to do the same project, just because there's so many interruptions, whether it's somebody interrupting you or you interrupting yourself, like just being nosy and going out and seeing what they're doing out there. I did it so you can get more done. And uh, I'm the least social person there also. I go out of my way to hire nice people and I warn everybody that everybody here is nice except me, but I'm not here very often, so it kind of works out well. I just started doing a little bit of time. And then about uh, roughly 10 years ago, we bought our first place in Florida. We're on our fourth place in Florida now. So moving around, trying to find the perfect spot. I think we can do the house shopping again soon. But uh, and just staying down here a little bit longer in the summer, we go up there. And then I, even when we're up there, uh, go into the shop in the morning and then go home at noon and have a remote office at home. Or sometimes we're camping and I have kind of a remote office set up in the RV. So uh, we'll go campground somewhere and just work work from there. But uh, yeah, I enjoy it. Tom, are you a resident of Florida? No. That, now we get into all kinds of various legal and tax implications and other businesses and so on and so forth. So not yet. <laughs> Well, we should do another show on that. <laughs> and Andy, are you a resident of Texas? You must be. Not yet. My wife is. I am not. We have a condo in Chicago that I use when I get to, when I come into town. So I still want to have that homestead exemption on the, uh, on the taxes because Illinois taxes are, are a real treat. So much to unpack here in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, golly, thank you. For, so Andy, uh, it was great. Uh, the control issue, right? That Brian brought up. Talk to me about, you know, people, culture, process, continuals, uh, you know, improvement when you want to pull every lever. Yeah. So it, one of the things that, you know, I've had a couple of industry coaches uh, in my, in the time in, in the business so far. And the first one, one that I had, I'm not going to say who it is because I, I think a bunch of them do this, but they were very, very into hiding stuff from your people, right? Don't let your people know how much you make. Don't let them know all this stuff. And that really, really rubbed me the wrong way. When I got that right team, what I felt was the right team in place, and this was even before the decision to move, I started to little by little share more information with them about the business. Also, part of this that makes it easier for me is that almost everybody in my company is in their 20s and 30s. I mean, I have one other employee that's over 40. They're young and they're learning, and I'm trying to teach them about the business of business, not just 
auto shop, auto industry. I'm trying to teach them fundamentals about business. So that kind of really goes to our culture of we have just a very open, flat culture in our organizations, in in both locations, across the whole organization. Anybody can come and talk to me about any subject, anytime, even if I'm not there because everybody has my cell phone. And you know what? I don't get peppered with all kinds of texts or requests. People are very, very diligent about my time to the point where a lot of times I have to say, hey, you know what? If you've got something, I have to remind them I'm always there for, for you to reach out to. But by putting those levers of control, by giving them the information, they're already there day to day. They're controlling the profit margins. I'm overseeing it, but they're doing the actual boots on the ground work. So why not give them the information so that they can better execute? That has really brought the shop, the performance of both shops, just really raised the bar on on both of them because they know, they can see the effects of what they're doing every day. So I don't have to worry about discounting. Yeah, that's one thing I don't need to worry about. They're abhorrent about discounting. You know, they don't want to discount. I follow much of the same philosophy. And I, I just wonder, um, one thing I talk about is great game of business. Is that, uh, is that something you ascribe to? So I have heard that. And I'm actually part of an industrial council that does run that. We haven't gotten it formalized to that point. But I guess in practice, we're, that's kind of what we're doing. Guys, it's a great, great book. I've read it. It's up on my books page on the website. Yeah, Brian, you can't put the book down. No, definitely. Definitely a good read. And it's just material that it goes across all, all avenues and spectrums. And, and if nothing else, you know, what Andy's talking about is that full transparency. Whenever I think of full transparency, I think of the power that it holds. And, and it reminds me of uh, a lot of organizations I dealt with that were not necessarily my automotive repair shop. But they would hide their financials, even from those serving within the organizations. And these oftentimes were volunteer. And there's so much power in everybody knowing what financial health your, your business is in, in any operation for that matter, whether it's, whether it's thriving, whether it's starving. No one can act unless they know where it stands and how they can enhance it. So anytime you can increase transparency, I'm just running for it. And yeah. one of the great, the GGOB side, the great game of business, that just adds another layer because now you create targets and you create all these different aims that everybody's on board with and everybody knows their role. You want them to ascend to a, almost an ownership mentality uh, or, or action, actionable. I always say I want my employees to care more than I do. And I say it a little bit tongue in cheek, but their specific area, in my in my perspective, they should care more about what they're responsible for than I care about it. The reason I believe that is they're the most intimate. They know it the best. They're the one who technically has the most responsibility around it. So if they don't own it more than I do, we're in trouble. Here's another added benefit to doing it this way. As you're bringing your people along in general business knowledge and you're letting them see the workings of your business, if you're running it right, you may be grooming the people who are going to step in ready to buy you out. I mean, how great is that, right? <laughs> or, or you're preparing them for their next step in life. For but sure. Either way, you're building people. You're, you're creating. You're, in, in some cases, you might be ready to open another, another shop. And guess what? You've got people ready to go. And they don't just know it, they can teach it. If you run more than one shop, you know how vital it is to keep up with how each one is performing. But it can drive you crazy to log in and out of each shop's database as you try to compare KPIs. Look, stop making it hard. With Shopware's advanced analytics, you can easily pull all that data into one report. 
Heck, you can even set up the system to pump it out in a graph or a chart and then email it to you anytime you want. Why tax your brain before you even start looking for trends and wins to celebrate? Let the computer do the work for you. Spend less time sifting through pages of numbers. Now, once you see your business's potential right in front of you, you can take steps to make it even better. And then you can take a night off to enjoy the time you just won back. Benefit, go with the team that created DVX, my friends, at GetShopware.com. As the trusted aftermarket brand for over 100 years, Delphi Technologies is by your side for every step of the repair process. The Delphi journey doesn't stop once the parts are ordered. Wherever your journey takes you, our quality parts gives you ease of mind when getting your customer's vehicle back on the road. Technicians know and trust Delphi as a quality brand. Each product undergoes rigorous testing to not only meet OE standards, but also enhance it in each opportunity. From 700 hours of spray testing on chassis components to fuel pumps tested for reliability up to 150,000 miles. And safety and reliability is paramount to help vehicles drive cleaner, better, and further throughout their lives. Delphi is also committed in developing products and services to prepare technicians for the future. Take advantage of how-to videos on YouTube, technician-led trainings, and our technical support line, and more. Turn to the aftermarket parts supplier with over 100 years of OEM trust and quality. Learn more about Delphi. Visit DelphiAftermarket.com. Let's jump into a little bit of process and system, Tom. There's no doubt that NORAD, NASA, you got to have, there's the monitor of what's going on in this bay. Are you decked out in in your office knowing Oz, knowing all-seeing? I have all the the resources. I have all the equipment. I have all that in place. I rarely look at the cameras. And usually when I do, it's just because I need a break for five minutes. I'm bored and I just want to see what the weather is up there or something. But I don't really watch what's going on. Like these guys talking about, you you got to have the people, uh, you got responsible people, then they take care of their, uh, take care of things. We do have a lot of systems. I'm kind of a systems efficiency type guy. So I've got a lot of procedures and systems to address situations. So if they have guidelines to follow, then that makes it all work more smoothly. And we monitor what those are. A huge part of what we do is Slack, which everybody seems to use nowadays. And and the communication both within the shop and within me is Slack. Everybody's, there's Slack channels for this and that and between each other. And so that's a big efficiency tool that we use. I touch bases with everybody daily. Uh, That can be as simple as happy Groundhog Day, but I touch bases with everybody in one way or another every workday. You don't let anyone alone. I mean, it's as if you were there eye to eye, you're at least reaching out to them in Slack and saying, hey, how's your day? It's more of on a personal level. I'm not very good on a personal level, so this is one of the crutches that I use anyway. It's just letting them know that, you know, I'm interested in them. You know, I mean, you know, did you get a deer? Did you get a moose when you were hunting? I mean, yeah, just some some kind of interaction with them base. It's just kind of part of the autocentric family. And I just feel that that's important. I try to do the same thing with at the shop, make sure I just go out and chat briefly with everybody every day. I'm noticing with this, you know, how far everybody is from their shops. It's not like remote, where it's like you're 50 miles away. Everybody's hundreds, if not thousand miles away, <laughs> long ways away. You're going to find some people, you know, some people say they can't do it, but there's other people that don't want to do it. And they're never going to want to do it because they get a charge 
out of being at that shop physically every day. And they would go work yeah. remotely. Why would I want to do that? I mean, it'd take all my fun away. And I can see that some, especially the more social type individuals like to chat with the customers and, and hug them and all that kind of stuff. And then they really like to be there. So they're never going to get into remote. Oh man, Tom, you said something that just, I mean, it just lit me up for a minute um, in, a, in a really good way. But you know, one of the things I found being not present on site was the ability to really interact with my employees on a much deeper and I would say more often. And it has allowed me to actually have conversations with more individuals and get to know them and and get to develop them further. I can plan my time around it. And I find that it's easier to plug those in because you have less interruptions. I have to be intentional about it, but I get time to coach them. I get time to plan with them. Our monthly meetings happen. I mean, everything that you would want on site happens so much easier when you're off-site because your calendar runs your day. At least for me, the big interruptions just don't exist. And, and I, I think I implemented a weekly check-in with my employees uh, and it's uh, automated. We do pretty much everything through Microsoft 365. And I basically automate a form that goes out to every one of the employees. They turn in their clock hours, they turn in their production hours, and then they have to answer just you know what was the highlight of the week, what was the low point of the week, and is there anything else you want to throw out there? And that allows me to have talking points with them and to actually dig in and find out what's going on 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 just a a weekly basis. And it's been one of the most powerful tools that I've put together and, and got to see with everybody. Taking advantage of the fact that you're not in the pressure cooker and letting everything that you see going on tear you away from something you had planned to do. It's like, Probably the biggest benefit, if you say you're closer to your people now because you're not there, who would have thought? When you reach out to your people now and you're, you're working remotely, it's very intentional. You're not talking to them just because you happen to be in the same office. So there's a lot of intention and it's just quality versus quantity. And, you know, all the tools are available nowadays to do this, right? And it's, I'm kind of amused because I used to be in this position. We used to have a legacy server driven um, shop software system. And we finally, after years of, of hesitating, we finally made the jump and went to a cloud-based system. And it is so much better. You know, a system like Shopwork up in the cloud, you can see everything that's going on in shop anywhere you are. So all, so the, you know, there are, there's a huge hesitancy among the people who haven't made the leap to cloud-based systems yet. Definitely go for it because the boost in productivity is huge. And not even just for, not even if you're remote. I mean, this is for anybody. Everybody should be cloud-based now. Would ever, guys, uh, your your team checks in and they say, uh, hey, Andy, uh, Charlie can't be with us. Something happened, you know, whatever, illness. And you know that one of your counters is going to suffer. Would you ever contribute from Texas? I always joke around that, you know, my team doesn't want me picking up the phone when I am in the office, you know, because they. I'm just, just because you're a remote owner doesn't mean you have to not be in your business anymore. There's a lot of stuff that I do. I do a lot of marketing, all the outreach. When somebody wants to talk about a particular car, they just give them my cell phone number and the, and the client will call. Sometimes it's a, it's a prospective client and they're looking at either buying a car or selling a car, or what service to be done on the, on their particular car. We're European specialists, so we speak pretty with a lot of authority in, in that subject area. 
I'll talk to people about particular cars and whatnot. You know, I'm I'm a liaison to a lot of the groups in our in our neighborhood or in our city that we work with. All of our charitable stuff is usually I'm I'm kind of setting up the charitable programs that we're, we're you know the giving back stuff that we're doing, which is another thing that hugely you know everybody in the shop really really enjoys. That's just a great cultural thing in uh, in any business, really. So I actually do a lot of work, but to me, it's, it's really the stuff that I very much enjoy doing in business. So it doesn't really feel like work. A little bit different twist on this is one thing that remote enables a shop owner to do is it enables them to not fully retire. Some of us are a little bit older, and uh, instead of just walking away... And it kind of what Andy was saying there, what you can do is you can, you know, if you take your 10 duties at the shop, you can take like the ones you least like to do and pass them off to someone else and just do your favorite ones, which makes the shop a lot more fun again. I was talking to another shop owner the other day and he says, yeah, I'm thinking of selling the shop, but man, the income difference, even if I'd get a big amount of money for the shop is really, really huge. I mean, I'm going to have a huge income drop. I really don't want to give that up. Uh, he's trying to figure out how to work remotely. And uh, what I mainly do is monitor. I don't do too much shop work. What I mainly do is I monitor. I just, I'm just trying to keep them from going in the ditches. I'm, I'm just watching this and watching that and putting a little procedure in place and just kind of looking, spot checking everything daily. I have my list of things I go through. But uh, it's way more fun uh, running the shop when you have peeled off the things that you dislike and only do the things you like. I think I found a subtitle for our Town Hall Academy uh, here, which we called Remote Ownership. Maybe we should say Remote Ownership, never fully retire. That's one of my whole things. You've heard me talk on before that uh, I don't see the point in retirement. That's a whole other discussion. But you can peel down when you own a business like this and you do have control of things. You could go down to working 40 hours a week, 30, 20, 10, 5, whatever you want to do. You just peel it down as far back as you want to go. Just do the things that are fun. Continue to get the good income. Move your office to another state where it's nice and warm and sunny all the time, and and just keep going. And, th- and there's no reason you. Ca- I, how old can you go? I think yeah, you go older. You know, I'm nowhere near as old as the president. You know, I got a long ways to go to get there. <laughs> well, uh, come on, Tom. That's not saying too much. <laughs> 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 but there, there's no there's no reason really that you can't keep going. Whatever your occupation or business is uh, today, there's so many opportunities and things that you can do. So I, I, it, and to me, it's so much more fun being productive. I mean, I'm past quote retirement age, but it's a whole lot more fun. I'll bet Carmen is pretty close to my age too. And it's a whole lot more fun being productive and helping people and helping the community and doing something for the industry, et cetera, instead of watching Wheel of Fortune all day. I mean, come on, you know. Totally agree. You know, so uh, I just intend to, you know, I, one of these days you'll just find out what happened. Well, he fell over walking around the lake and he's dead. So, you know, I won't be here the next day. So that's how that's going to work. Right to the very end. As long as we can, why not? Guys, I'm inspired by this dialogue, and I hope other shop owners in the industry are, and service advisors that are listening and technicians. If your owner says, hey, I'm, I'm buying the retirement house, we're going somewhere, like Tom says, where it's warm, uh... Go, go, 
But, and Andy, I know that you're working on really developing great leaders. And I don't think if your people have never read a book, had a leadership lesson, or you haven't spent the time deliberately making this transition work, it could be a year long to wean out, they've got to show promise. But listen, years ago when I wanted to work at the next level, I didn't know what that meant. And I knew I better start reading Maxwell and go to leadership seminars to figure out what leadership was really all about. So let's talk a little bit about that because this isn't something you guys just snap your finger and it happened. You had to have a transference. Yeah. So I believe in just continual professional development across all fronts of the guys on the floor, the people in your front office. I worked for someone in all my years of working. I worked for someone else about five of those years. There was like one job where I saw there was a real future of advancement. And that was the job that I advanced out of to be end up working for myself for the first time at age 22. When your people see that there are rungs on the ladder above where they are, that's a hugely motivating, inspiring feeling of their work. They know that they can they can move forward. There's there's a future ahead of them. There's something beyond what they're doing every day. I mean, you know, let's face it, coming in and answering the phones every day, you know, can get a little boring no matter how exciting the cars you're working on are. But if they know that there's something that they can aspire to, keep moving up. You know, the thing for my for my key people at my two locations, that is eventually ownership of, of the shops. And and that means that I move on to, to do something else too. And I'm that's a part of life. I'm I'm looking forward to that, right? But really investing in the professional development of your people, getting them in the programs where they they learn that they everybody's got a, a an opportunity to lead in their realm within the, the business. All the way from, you know, the guy who's sweeping up to the guy who's your regional manager. They've all got an opportunity to lead in some way. That just that just creates a much more dynamic and rewarding workplace for your people. That keeps them around. A lot of people are afraid to train their employees. And I, I hear this, well, if I train them, they're going to leave. And I'm going to invest all this money and they're going to go. And I think Zig Ziglar said it the best when he said, if you train them and they leave, it's better than if you didn't train them and they stayed. That's what rolls around in my, anytime I think about training, you know, it's, I take the different philosophical view on it as in I'm increasing their aptitude and whether it increases their ability to perform at my, at my environment within the, within the workplace, or it increases them and they leave, I've still improved where they're going and how they're doing. And I can't tell you how many times I've had past employees. I mean, we've been doing this for 20 years in other sectors now come in and, and become allies. And you don't know where that person's going to go or what's going to happen. But if you have that impact on their life, they're going to be there for you. And they're going to be working with you, whether it's under your roof or under another roof. And they're, maybe they're going to open another shop. And maybe, maybe they're going to be the parts vendor. Who knows where they're going to go? But they're going to remember the fact that you invested in them. And more than likely, they're going to invest in others as well. And, and when we talk about raising this industry, that's really what it comes down to. You know, when you get to be Tom's age or my age, every once in a while uh, you bump into someone either online or at a meeting in a conference and they come up and says hey remember i worked for you or this and that and you hear a story you were trying to lead and help and teach and train people and to be happy to hear about the feedback that you had and to your point brian we cannot 
do something that you're doing with mushrooms because you know how mushrooms are raised, right? Just look it up. You know what I mean, right? <laughs> in the basement, in the dark, you know, with PhD on them, you know, <laughs> piled high and deep. And, and you can't. It's a great point. Tom, uh, same thing to you? I guess I'll say you don't have to be a fantastic leader to have a successful business. <laughs> Some of us are more skilled in other areas, and that's just not one of our strong suits. So you can find things to substitute, bring it to plug it in, make up the difference. We have a lot of systems. They're not systems that are oppressive. They're just systems designed to meet challenges that we ran into. Uh, and I try to keep everything very simple and processes. And I'm big on resources and tools. And by tools, I mean everything, training, every resource that one could possibly need. And I'm constantly on them. What do you need? What do you think would be more efficient? What would help? So I'm trying to give them everything they could possibly want and just have a lot of order and structure to the whole thing. And then the people that I hire are pretty self-managing. They don't need a lot of babysitting. They're all pretty mature. We're not big enough where we need a general manager to oversee and make sure everything works properly. They're all pretty good, and they all kind of self-manage on their own, if that makes sense. It does. Tom, thank you so much. You know, Automotive Management Network is Tom's, and if you're not a member of it, please look it up. 15,000 uh, membership strong. And we work together a lot with that. And frankly, Tom, that's probably where so much, you know, feedback that you see and you get and that you help the industry with. So uh, being a great leader means that you're helping many, many people in the industry with a, a automotive management network. That's the home of most resources of the internet. Now, just a couple of weeks ago, which you know, we added laborratetracker.com. So we've got uh, about 150, 160 shops around the country that have already reported in. We don't tell anybody where you are. We don't tell anybody the name of your shop, but we do have a map of the United States and a map of your state. It'll show you what town your shop is in. If you're in Chicago, it'll just say Chicago and then what your labor rate is. And it's just a, a thing to kind of people can get a feel of what labor rates are around the country. So uh, if you go to our website, you'll see that. And we'd love to have... Uh, uh, you know, share your rate and you can see what the other rates are across the country. It's kind of entertaining. Yeah, we want to do an episode about that. I think that's so cool to be able to just go on and uh, find out how low you are and for whatever reason. <laughs> <laughs> right now, the, the range, I can tell you this, the range right now is from 65 to 252. It's just too big. Wow. Way, way too big. But to be able to want to increase your labor rate because someone in my town you know, is there and I always want to be the lowest. I mean, for all the wrong reasons, we would maybe look at that data and make a move that we think will help our business and it wouldn't unless you actually did a labor rate calculator, right? Uh, based on your costs and what kind of profit you want to make. And uh, we've done shows on that, guys. And it takes a little bit of bandwidth, calculator, pen, paper, Excel, to run a good business. And, and that's just how it is. Tom said something else that got me thinking here. And there's this constant, uh, at least I hear, a process versus people. You might say that bridge of both. And I think when we talk about stepping out of the business, it's not just about the people. It's not just about the process. And I've, I've heard that both from Andy and Tom. And I'd echo the same thing. I had to have the right people in order to make this move. And I had to have the people I trusted. They had to have the experience. They had to be trained in the areas that they were going to be serving in. They had to be able to coach others as well. But if I didn't have the systems around them, we were guaranteed. And I shouldn't say guaranteed because good leadership will get you a long ways, but it would have been a lot harder to step out of the business. And you can be heavy on systems. You can be heavy on people, but you're going to need both in order to pull this off. And I think that that's the, 
That to me, that's the critical piece. I tend to be more heavy on people. I tend to allow them a lot more latitude. I tend to focus heavily on the aim and the major focus of where we're going and what we're doing. And oftentimes when I share that, people think that means we don't have systems, but just the opposite. You have the important systems that everybody falls back onto and they know how it works. And that of course goes into communication. I mean, there's, there's a lot of layers to it, but, but I, I think systems and people, everybody's going to have a different dominance, but depending on where that dominance is, rely on it and build accordingly. Yeah. Find your balance that works for your, for your organization. Yeah. It's going to be different for everybody, but, but understand what, how you lead. Guys, this was great. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm really glad we got this uh, level of energy from you guys and positivity to what you guys have done to have remote ownership. Not that you do it 100% of the time, but you each have your own great and unique story. Tom Ham, Autocentric, Grand Rapids, Michigan, and Automotive Management Network out of Grand Rapids. Andy Bizzab, Midwest Performance Cars, Northbrook, Illinois, in Texas. And Brian Kelly, Valley Automotive Electric, Covington, Washington. Where do you live now, Brian? Idaho? Yeah, a town called Hauser, Idaho. So it's a town of about 300 people, northern Idaho. <laughs> I just measured it the other day. I think we're exactly 1.8 miles from the Washington border on the, you know, pretty, pretty far north. Do you have internet? <laughs> I do today, thank God. <laughs> but let's let's just say that was uh, that was actually a fear when we built this house that we might not have internet. So, so yeah, I do have it, <laughs> and it's not a satellite. <laughs> hey guys, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you, thank, thank you. you Carl. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the Premier Automotive Aftermarket Podcast. Until next time. 